The Naked DJs Podcast. Are they really naked? We know they expose themselves every day just so they can bring you the best of music. They like to stick it out there for everyone to hear. You can hear their podcast on Anchor.fm, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by author Juliet Rose. Juliet has been writing since the age of 10, where she entertained her neighborhood and the school children with her stories, with the biggest supporter being her mom. Juliet lost her mom at age 11 and had to put her dreams on hold, but she has been getting things picked up and she's back in the full swing of things. So we're going to be talking to her about her story and her writings. So Juliet, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So you covered it pretty well. I've been writing since I was little. Before I could write, I was telling neighborhood kids stories, very fantastical stories, but they would ask me on the walk home from the bus stop if I would tell them a story, and I would. And so from a very young age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then I think I went to my mother at age 10 as like, I want a typewriter. And so she's like, all right, let's, let's get you a typewriter. And she was very encouraging. And so we got a typewriter and I you know, typed out little stories. And then, you know, she did pass when I was 11 and I was shuttled from home to home and didn't have a lot of stability through the rest of my childhood. And so I really didn't write except for in school, you know, like we had an assignment. And so I did write in school and, you know, teachers took notice and, and said I should keep doing it. And so you know, I, I put it on hold when I became a mother myself, and then I, I lost my four-year-old daughter to cancer. And through that, I really realized it was important to use my voice. And so at that time, I started writing a lot of nonfiction. I wrote magazine articles and for the newspaper and different online sites, and it was all nonfiction. And then I dabbled in fiction a little bit. From there, you know, a few years later, I said, okay, let me try my hand at fiction. And so I did. And then I went through a divorce and was raising my children by myself. So I didn't write for a while, for actually about 15 years. I really didn't write to raise them. And, and then they got to adulthood and I thought, oh no, I'm running out of time. Let me, let me start writing again. And so last year I started really focusing on writing and now currently have three published novels with one coming out with Adelaide, New York next month. Tell everybody what type of writing you do. Okay. So I write typically falls under the category of contemporary fiction. So it tends to be modern day. I might, you know, change a little bit, but I don't get really too far off of, of current day. But I try to bring in a lot of social issues into my writing. So I call it truth and fiction, or the term now faction has come about, about that type of fiction writing where you're taking maybe a social issue or something like that, and you're building a, a fiction story around it. And so the three novels that I have out now, I have out Do Over deals with mental illness and ketamine abuse. I have We Don't Matter, which deals with police brutality. It's an LGBT story. And then I have Prick of the Needle, which came out in March, that deals with basically being incarcerated and, and getting involved with the Wildland Firefighter Program through that. And then, you know, getting out and trying to find your place in the world. 
And then my book that comes out next month actually deals with disability. My main character, one of my main characters is a deaf dog handler, and it deals with the search and rescue team in Montana and deals with some of kind of their struggles as a search and rescue team. And then his struggles being a deaf dog handler and and working in an environment that isn't necessarily supportive of somebody that's deaf. Well, tell us about your big influences. Who, Who influences you to write? You know, it really is just everyday people. It's, it's usually me hearing a story about, you know, something somebody's going through, something that I've gone through if I've, if I've faced something personally myself. Or, you know, sometimes it's a new story or, or somebody I know personally that has faced like a, a trauma or a tragedy in their lives. And, you know, I really take a lot of that and then I weave it into those stories because what I would like to do is, you know, I'd like to reach a lot of people but I don't want to preach because I feel like when you preach, a lot of people shut down immediately from, from what you're trying to share, where if you write it into fiction and you make it an interesting story, then they get to have a different perspective without feeling like they may, they're being lectured to. Tell us who your favorite writer is. Oh, that's a tough one. There's always a question that I get asked and I'm always like, ah, you know, I really have a lot of kind of favorite writers. I think, you know, what happens is I read something and I, my favorite writers are always people that have this ability to kind of like reach into everyday life and connect in a way like that you feel like you, you understand that you've been there. You go, oh, yeah, okay, get that. And so, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of kind of favorite writers. When I was a kid and after my mother passed away, I really liked Essie Hinton. She wrote The Outsiders and that was then, this is now, because her characters were going through tough times in their lives. And I, I really related to that as this kid, this kid, young teen kind of growing up and, you know, facing a world that wasn't so friendly to the struggles I had gone through. And then over the years, it's switched depending on, you know, what I was going through. And recently, I've really enjoyed Octavia Butler. She writes sci-fi, but she writes it from a different perspective. She was one of the first Black sci-fi writers. And and being a Black woman sci-fi writer was kind of unheard of. And she writes these really wonderful dystopian tales where you feel like she's writing it from, like, an actual experience where like a lot of dystopians seem so far out there. It's hard to connect to. She writes it in the way that you're like, this could happen or this did happen. And so she's definitely probably one of my current favorites. When, when people read your book, what, what do you hope the readers will take away from your novels? Yeah. You know, I think when I I write my intent or my hope is that, you know, what I'm going to do is bring a story to somebody that's first of all, interesting. I mean, people pick up a book, they want to be interested that they want to be captivated by the story. But what I'm hoping is by bringing in these different social issues or bringing in things that maybe people have either, either no opinion or a really strong opinion on that. Maybe I can show them a different perspective and they'll come away more empathetic to maybe things that they had a you know, a really broad, I mean, like a hard view on, I want them to maybe say, okay, let me rethink this. Let me have a different perspective and consider that maybe my point of view isn't, you know, so hard and fast. Besides the book you have coming out here, coming up, what, what other projects are you working on that people need to know about? Well, you know, always writing. So I actually have a current a current novel I'm writing, I'm one that I'm editing too. So I kind of always have something in the works and, and we'll typically have something come out, I think in the fall and then probably next spring as well. But I also donate books to organizations that get them into the hands of people that are incarcerated. Outside of myself doing that, I, it's just something I wish people would be more aware of, that there is definitely a need in prisons for, for 
incarcerated people to have access to books. And while there's libraries there, a lot of times they're small, they're not that well funded. And so these organizations actually get hands directly to people that are incarcerated. So at the beginning of the year, I reached out to about 14 organizations with links to my books and let them know what the books were about because they're usually looking for specific types of books. And I had about 11 write me back and said, yeah, you know, definitely send some books. Uh, And because my books do deal with different kind of social issues, there was more of a need for what I was actually writing. But they also were looking for books that are like, you know, fantasy, for a lot of nonfiction books as well. So it's just something I'm very passionate about. Love to see more people kind of reach out and see if they can get those, you know, get books into the hands of people that are that are in prisons. Not only are you a writer, you also rescue animals and you're a <laughs> painter. So tell us about painting and rescuing animals. Sure, sure. Yeah. So rescuing animals just I mean, when I was a little girl, I just from a very young age, I think I was like probably eight. When I went to my mother and I was like, I want to be vegetarian because I had gone on a, on a field trip to um to a grocery store and they took us in the back of the grocery store. And I remember seeing the word calf on a box and I knew what a calf was. And I was like, okay, wow, that just kind of (laughs) blew my mind a little bit as a child. So my mother was very supportive of that as well. And, and so that kind of evolved into also rescuing animals. So we, we currently have eight dogs, five cats, six chickens and five rabbits. (laughs) So we live on about two acres and we kind of treat it as like a mini farm, but it's definitely our passion to try to do that. And then I do paint Paint, actually, painting came to me really more as a therapeutic thing because, you know, I I work full time and then I have a lot on my plate. And so I wanted to have something that was just really, you know, something I could step away and just let my mind relax while I did. And that's when I started painting, really kind of painting about 15 years ago. And so currently I'm doing like skateboards and kind of some fun stuff just because it is, again, my way for my brain to not feel like it's working. So you can teach rabbits to be friendly. How do you yeah. take care of a, how do you take care of a rabbit? It's funny. We actually rescued a rabbit once that was very mean. And we actually had to have a sign that we had that said to people, do not touch the rabbit because, you know, he, it was a really cute little rabbit, like a little a bunny. And everybody just assumed because it was so cute that it was nice, but she would bite. And so we had this little sign that said, you know, don't touch the rabbit. And so my perspective for a long time was that rabbits were mean, that they would bite. And um, we ended up rescuing another rabbit and he was the sweetest thing. And from that, we realized that probably that that first rabbit had been mishandled or mistreated and she was very defensive. But the ones that we've had that, you know, we've had a chance to really, you know, be hands-on with, they're very sweet. You might get nips every now and then, but it's not very often. They're actually pretty nice. (laughs) Gotcha. So what do you feed them? How how do you take care of them? Sure. So they they eat mostly Timothy hay and pellets. And then, you know, everyone's all get treats of like apples and carrots. And then ours are inside outside rabbits. So, you know, when it's really nice out, we have pens that we can put them in. And they'll nibble grass and plants that are out there. If the weather's not nice and overnight, they're inside with us. So they really are more like pets than anything. Go ahead and throw out your contact information so that sure. way people can contact you. Absolutely. The best place to start is at my website, authorjulietrose.com. That has my social media links, links to my books. It has my email. Anybody you need to contact me, you can reach me through that. Okay. Give us some final thoughts, anything that I missed out on that I didn't touch on or any any tips you might want to give aspiring writers or anything that you want to close it out with. Sure. Yeah, I think for aspiring writers, I think what I learned over over these years, especially having such a long hiatus, 
is, is don't let yourself do that. You know, like I always made excuses. Like I have to take care of the kids. I have to go to the school play. I have to, you know, to go to work. I have to do whatever. And I kind of forgot me for a long time. And even if you just take 15, 20 minutes a day and you jot in a journal, just keep writing. You know, don't let a long period of time go by because what happens is you start to believe that you can't get back to it. And I did believe that for a long time. And then when I started writing, I realized all I had to do was start writing again. And then it just flowed. So I think for any writer, it's just really just keep writing, whatever it is, write letters, write in your journal, write poems. It doesn't matter. Write something and and don't give that up. And as far as final thoughts, it goes with why I write my books. You know, I really would like to see a more empathetic world. And so I think if people would just open their minds and and take a look at things, challenge themselves, read things they haven't read before, watch those documentaries, do something that makes you consider things outside of maybe beliefs that you were raised with or things that you've set your mind to and, and try to find more compassion in the world. Ladies and gentlemen. Juliet Rose, looking for a more empathetic world. And you want to check out her books and share this episode to as many people as possible and support her work and everything that she's doing. Also, Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Juliet, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.